Hi, everyone. My name is Cassie Powell. I'm Julian Lutz. And I'm Natalie Russell. Welcome to On Our Turf. Welcome to our introduction episode. Today, we're going to walk you through who we are, how we met, what we're doing here, and what our goals are. Thanks in advance for joining us on this journey and tuning in to the inaugural episode of On Our Turf, the first women-run turf discussion podcast. Hi, everyone. My name is Cassie Powell. I'm from Spring Mills, Pennsylvania, which for any Penn Staters, Spring Mills is about 30 minutes east of State College. So grew up blue and white forever. Um, I currently am the second assistant superintendent at Contra Costa Country Club, which is located in Pleasant Hill, California, about 45 minutes outside of San Francisco. I'm your friendly resident Canuck, Natalie Russell. I'm from Calgary, Alberta, Canada, and I'm a second assistant superintendent at Country Hills Golf Club here in Calgary. Hi, everyone. My name is Julian Lutz. I'm from Baltimore, Maryland, and I'm currently an assistant in training at Pasa Tiempo Golf Club in Santa Cruz, California, for their full greens restoration project. Hey, Cass, can you tell me a little bit more about how you got into the industry and your years of experience and kind of where you are now? Absolutely. So I got into the industry on a whim. I was actually an English major um, as my last major before I became a turf grass major. Uh, I was a few other things before then. But I kind of had the realization that I didn't want to teach people. I do teach people now, which is kind of the comic part about everything, but I didn't want to sit down and be a formal educator to like children or anything. Um, and then outside of that, turf grass kind of seemed like it would fit me really well because I just wanted to be outside. So I have three years of experience in the turf grass industry. I've worked at four courses in that time, and I've pretty much held every position that I possibly could. I worked at, I started at Brickyard Crossing in Indianapolis, Indiana which I moved to also on a whim because I just needed experience and it was during COVID. And then while I was in Indiana, I worked at a private country club named Broadmoor, located in northern Indianapolis. Before I returned to school, when everything had begun to be back in person, and my advisor told me that I needed to get another internship, so I worked at Bethpage Black in Farmingdale, New York, which was pretty fun. Had a great time out there. And finally, I decided to move to California after graduation because I wanted to get a bit of different experience in terms of how, you know, water maintenance happens on the West Coast, which is totally different from how we do it back East. So I've been at Contra Costa as the second assistant superintendent for about six months now, which has been great. And I plan on being out here for a while. So I've been having a blast. But Nat, you and I have similar experiences. Let me hear your story. Yeah. Funny because I actually also started school to become an English teacher <laughs> and also realized that it wasn't what I wanted to do whatsoever. So during my time in my bachelor's degree, I started in the industry as a grounds crew member. I wanted to make some money working a fun summer job. But working on the golf course gave me something that I didn't know I was missing, which was I loved working outside. And I really did have the mindset of my worst day out here has been better than my best day spent in my university classrooms. <laughs> so um, I started to form friendships and connections on the crew and really developed a passion for what I was doing. 
I was taking great pride in what I was doing. And in those early years, the satisfaction of a nicely striped fairway or a perfectly trimmed bunker edge made me want to get the little things right and really be great. After that first summer, I started putting out some feelers to my supervisors about how they knew turf was right for them. And based on those conversations, I knew I was on the right path. By my second year, I changed out of my English degree and made the change to start turf school. Since then, I've been slowly tackling classes in a Bachelor's of Sport and Recreation Management while simultaneously taking turf school and working my way up at Country Hills. I've worked at Country Hills for the last six years and have actually not worked on another golf course besides my volunteer experience at Pebble Beach where I met Julian and Cassidy. Country Hills is the only golf course that I've actually worked on in a formal sense. The management team here has been really supportive as I've grown up in this industry, giving me as many opportunities as they can to grow. And because of that, I've held the titles of foreman, spray technician, and now second assistant. And Julian, it's funny because all three of our, uh, you know, prior education experience kind of ties together where you were also taking something that you realized you didn't have a passion for too. So tell us about that and how you got involved in the industry after that. I got into the industry in 2018. I had just dropped out of college. Uh, my major was early childhood education. So I wanted to be an educator for kindergartners and there was no passion there. I actually hated my early childhood education class and I didn't really find much more else at the college that I was at, so I started working for my dad, who has been a superintendent for as long as I've been alive, which is over 20 years. And I kind of just needed a job, and I needed money, and luckily my dad was hiring, so I started working for him at Hunt Valley Country Club in Phoenix, Maryland, a small, private, semi-high-end club, and I didn't think much of it. And I really liked the stable income in a routine, but in reality, it saved my life. About four months in, I told my dad that I really enjoyed this, and I loved triplexing greens and mowing fairways, but I wanted to be given more agronomy-based tasks to see if this was something that I really wanted to pursue. He threw a soil probe in my hand and told me to go start pu pulling cores and taking pictures and telling him what I see. And he looked at me and he is like, all right, cool, you're now going to be more of an agronomy-based greenkeeper rather than just the labor-based greenkeeper, which I was before. So the passion and love I have for the industry kind of started as a little baby and has only grown in that realization. I was at Hunt Valley for about three and a half years and my dad had left, and I left with him to bigger and better things. I started an internship at Caves Valley, which is in Owings Mills, Maryland, which is probably like five minutes from my house. So it was really nice that I got to kind of wake up and go to work right away. I was there for about nine months, and then I did an internship in between school, and I went to... LA. So I went coast to coast. I was there for nine months as well. And at my time in LA, I decided that I wanted to stay on the West Coast, kind of like Cassidy, but I applied for the job at Pasatiempo. 
and I've been here since March, and I'll be here for another year and a half, possibly two years. And Cassidy, you had said that you live close to Penn State. So did you go to Penn State or did you pursue any other education? Yes, I did go to Penn State. I had the perk of my dad working at the university for my entire life. So growing up, it was just kind of assumed that Penn State was the school to go to. And my parents always pushed to start in the College of Agricultural Sciences. So I started there and I ended up finishing there, albeit not in agribusiness management, luckily for me. Uh, And when I changed my major to turf grass, it was really just a huge perk that Penn State was considered the number one school for turf, and it made me feel really good. And I found even after, you know, graduating and moving on and going to different events while I was still in school, that the networking of the Penn State turf community is huge because so many people also do the world campus option, which is pretty cool to see. So it's always felt like a piece of home no matter where I've been, because I always meet someone from Penn State, and I love that. So... Nat, you have a different experience. Let's hear about it. Yeah, I could not be going to school further away from my house, actually. <laughs> um, once I knew that I wanted to, uh, you know, continue and grow in the turf industry, schooling and broadening my horizons were where I was headed next. So I'm currently in my last year of my turf schooling, and I chose to do mine online through the University of Guelph in Southern Ontario. It would have been a really long commute. It's 3,171 kilometers or 1,970 miles from my house to U of G. And with the cost of living in Southern Ontario and the importance of hands-on experience in our industry, I opted for their online program. There is a couple of turf schools much closer to home that offer turf management programs or something similar. But I knew the flexibility and program style that Guelph offers is right for me. So I will ultimately graduate with a diploma of horticulture, majoring in both turf management and arboriculture in April, early April. So it's coming up here quickly. I'm just about to wrap up uh, my second last semester. And honestly, I cannot wait. I couldn't be more excited to put the schooling part of my journey behind me for the time being. Uh, Julian, you have even a third different turf schooling experience, so kind of run us through what you've done. Tell us about it. Yeah, so I did the Rutgers Professional Turf Management two-year program, come out of it with a certificate, which a lot of people kind of consider like an associate's degree, and it's just two semesters. But the whole basis of the Rutgers program is they cram a four-year into two semesters. So it's a lot of work. I did my first semester in the fall of 2021. But I was online because of the pandemic. So COVID kind of messed with me moving up to New Jersey. So I was online, but I was also able to still work. So learning through a computer screen can be very difficult, but I was able to go into work and kind of apply what I was learning, which was really helpful. And then I had a year off in between the semesters, and that's when I had to do my school internship, which could be anywhere. And they recommend you to not do your home course, which I think is a great recommendation for someone who wants to broaden their horizons I mean, I went all the way from the East Coast to the West Coast, literally 
as far as I could get in the United States to just broaden my knowledge of, like Cassie had mentioned earlier, water management, even turf type differences. So I was in LA for nine months and then I came back and this time I was in person. So I had to move all the way up to New Jersey and I was there for the fall of 2022 and I finished my second semester December of 2022. So we're almost coming up on a year of me being completely done with school. And we were supposed to have a little ceremony, but um, six of our classmates got COVID. So uh, there was there there was a ceremony that was actually like on Zoom, but I had a flight to catch to move to Santa Cruz. So I was like, I can't be two places at once if I'm on a plane. But so I finished in December of 2022. And I'm also continuing my education through GCSAA. I'm a certified um, assistant superintendent, which is another great education outlet for people that don't necessarily want to go back to a two-year or a four-year program. So that's kind of my basic education, but more for the future if I can stop being indecisive. I totally agree with you. Learning through a computer screen is hard, especially in such a practical industry. Like we, everything that we do is hands-on and learning all of it online you know, with you two going through it during COVID and me choosing to do it, it is not easy at all. No, it is not. I remember trying to identify bent grass and it was like the smallest blade and I was looking at it and I was like, I'm pretty sure that's bent grass, but I need to like have it in my hands. And that's one thing that I really like just about the industry in general is it is always right in front of you. You can pick it up, you can look at it, you can pull a probe, and even take a picture and zoom if you can't touch it. But learning through a computer screen, you can't do any of that unless you have the opportunity to continue to work, which Natalie, you do. So you get to learn and go back to work and, and like apply everything that you've learned, which is really important. Yeah, I definitely felt like it was the, the best of both worlds in that sense. Classes being online is the whole reason that I moved to Indiana was because I didn't see any type of, you know, course near me really that I could have gotten the experience that I did. Whereas when I moved to Indianapolis, I found myself working at a race track with a golf course inside of it. That offered some serious, you know, differences to dip my toes into the water and find what I really enjoyed. And it was great. I could not have done that if I'd taken all my classes online wouldn't have been as easy for me. Now that you all are introduced to who we are as turfgrass professionals, we're going to tell you a little bit of who we are as people. So Julian, give me some fun facts about yourself. Okay, so these are not having to do with my career in the turf grass industry. These are very random and I hope you enjoy. So I went to school to become a professional makeup artist when I was working for my dad, actually. I've always loved the artistry and I have been obsessed with it since I was a child and I was kind of trying to find career moves. I still use it to my, for myself to this day, but I don't use it for anybody else. But when I tell people, they're like, oh, no way. And I'm like, yeah, 
which is very strange because now my hands are completely covered in like dirt and mud all day, but I am a professional makeup artist, which usually your hands are supposed to be very clean. And then <laughs> a second, a second fun fact is when I'm back home in Maryland, I help run a cat rescue with my mom and helped Cassidy quite a bit with her, her cat questions in the past couple of days. And if you have any, if you have any cat questions, come to me because I can help you identify them if they're a male or female, if they're ear tipped, the whole nine yards. And from helping running that cat rescue, I have inherited a cat with no eyes, which is pretty cool. And he's the only cat I know in my house that can catch bugs, but he has no eyes. So it doesn't really make any sense to me. Can I ask you a quick question about him? Does he use like echolocation or like how does he get around? So when he first, when we first had him as a foster, um, he had eyes, but he couldn't see. So then he had them removed because they were so infected that he was going to die. And he's never been able to see. So I think that when you aren't able to see, he kind of just uses his like surroundings and his smell is definitely way more enhanced than anything he still runs into walls but he knows his way around he knows his way around our house so that's why he's not an adoptable cat because if he were to, if we were to put him in a new environment he would just run into walls all day long instead of running into them like once in a blue moon yeah but he's a he's a happy cat and he loves his like eye sockets to be pet the weirdest thing but it's like also kind of satisfying for him. I don't. Yeah, it's probably like when you scratch your eyes for so long or like rub them and it's just so good. You like see little stars. <laughs> like, yeah. That's him. He's he's not seeing stars. He's smelling them or feeling them because <laughs> he can't see. And then um, my third and final fun fact for right now, you'll get to know some more fun facts the more episodes we go. But I, um, I used to sleepwalk as a child, and I'd have really bad nightmares too, but that's too morbid for this. I, but I still sleepwalk. I'm 24 years old, and I still sleepwalk. Actually, a couple weeks ago, I, I got up and brushed my teeth. I got ready for work, and I went to go grab my monster out of the fridge, and I checked my phone, and it was midnight. So, you know, thank God I woke up before I drove to work, because I think I would have just stayed at work. I would have just slept in my car. There's no point. But I still sleepwalk and I can have whole, I can hold conversations with people. My mom has like videos of me when I was younger, just like talking to her, having a normal conversation, but I'm asleep. My eyes are open. In high school, I used to, I used to wear makeup to high school, professional makeup artist, you know, correlation. And um, I would get ready for school and it'd be midnight. And I would go down and tell my mom that I'm tired. And she'd be like, no wonder. It's midnight. You've only been asleep for three hours. They would always have to yell, yell at me to go back upstairs. And I'd be like, but then I'll say some inaudible stuff that doesn't make any sense. And they're like, okay, she's sleeping. I've walked out of hotel rooms and then woken up outside and been like, why am I out here? And like having to like go back in. I, my mom's favorite one is me walking downstairs and screaming at her that I have to go get the children. Whose children, Julian? <laughs> I don't know, but I kept telling her, like, screaming at her that I have to go get the children. And I was, like, trying to get outside. My mom's like, no, you're sleeping. Like, you got to go back to bed. 
they 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 really thought about strapping a GoPro to my forehead one time while I sleep to see where I go. I've like ran into walls. I've given myself a black eye. I'm oh my god! I'm my cat. Your cat is your spirit animal. <laughs> Truly. Okay, that's enough fun facts about me running into walls. Natalie, tell me. My, I don't know if my fun facts are nearly as funny. <laughs> um, my first fun fact is that I love golfing as much as I love maintaining a golf course. This year, I didn't golf as much as I would have liked to because both my parents and I moved into new houses this summer, but I still golfed about 25 times this year, and hopefully next year we'll bump that number up a little bit. My second fun fact is my sister and I love to travel together, and in the spring, we were able to shoot free throws on an NBA court after a Dallas Mavericks game when we were in Texas, and I actually made mine. So that, you know, former college basketball player really jumped out that day. <laughs> and then the reason that we were actually in Texas um, in the spring is because I love music, especially live concerts, and have been to over 35 of them. But the one of the most recent ones and my favorite that we were there for in the spring was Taylor Swift's Eras Tour. So we went to Texas to go see that, and it was absolutely incredible. Cassie, you have a fun fact about a trip that you took that was nothing like mine, but why don't you, yeah, tell us what, uh, fill us in on that. Well, I like to drive around. Let's just start with that. If you say, hey, Cass, you want to hop in the car and go like four hours away? I'm there. I'm with you. So I have actually driven every mile of I-80, um, Interstate 80, westbound from New York City to San Francisco. I am not sure about the mileage on that. I just know that it takes multiple days to do, which is a lot. And then I have actually also driven about half of the eastbound direction from western Nebraska to New York City. So it's a lot of miles in my car from that one. And it doesn't matter to me. I'll do, I've done 24 hours in the car. I've done quite a lot. I actually moved to California and I drove out here. So my mom and I put a lot of miles on my car in that one too. Um, one time I Ubered from Charlotte International Airport to Augusta National Golf Club, which was about two and a half hours. And during that Uber ride, um, my Uber driver cried. <laughs> so we had quite a spiritual, you know, just session, I guess you could say, while we were cruising through the States. He pulled over as soon as we got out of Charlotte International and we just crossed into South Carolina. And we're at this like rest stop on the side of the road. And I was like, hmm, this stranger just pulled over. I have no idea where I am. Shouldn't like I was very concerned about getting sex trafficked in that moment, but he just had to call his wife to let her know he was driving out of state. So we were totally kosher, you know, cruised on down to Georgia and he was so cool. But yeah, the crying was a lot for me. And then finally, in my free time, I like to spend I like to spend my free time outside hiking and camping. So recently I've been kind of cruising around California because I've never really been here before. So I have done some pretty cool camping out here, and I'm excited to do more hiking out here. 
Well, speaking of hiking, this kind of segues into how we met because I met one of my lovely co-hosts and I got to know my other lovely co-host on a hike. But this one was different than most. (laughs) It wasn't that much of a hike. (laughs) It depends on who you ask how much of a hike this was. It really depends. So we... We met at uh, Pebble Beach for the U.S. Women's Open this year, 2023. It is 2023, right? Okay. Um, So basically, Cassidy was one of the first people that I met in the parking lot. And we bonded over growing up on the East Coast. And we realized that we only lived two hours away from each other. And Cassidy kind of hooked me up with Natalie because they had known each other previously and Cassidy you know one night was like we should go on a walk we're at Pebble Beach 17 mile drive you know beautiful the ocean we could hear the seals and the sea lions and we wanted to see them now when I think of a walk I think of you know 10-15 minutes at most pretty flat land I'm walking with Natalie and We're walking through Spyglass to get to the beach because we're staying at RLS right there. And um, it's just all hills. The whole time is hills. And I'm sweating. I'm sweating. And I look over at Natalie and I'm like, are you sweating? Natalie's like, I'm sweating. And Cassidy is literally two miles in, in front of everybody. There's like eight people in the group. And Cassidy's like, I'm the leader. I am the captain here. To be fair. To be fair, it was my idea, and I had a headlight, and I'd walk the path before. I had to lead us somewhere. We're going to the beach. So me and Natalie are just, you know, we're walking, and we get to see the irrigation going at night, which is cool, because, you know, you set it, and then you go home. Generally, you're not on your golf course at 11 p.m. So we're walking, and we get to the beach, and it's really nice, and I found some seashells beachcombing, and I gave them to Natalie and Cassidy and I you know that kind of formed our friendship but the walk there was not bad it was the walk back because half of it we ran and you know we're sweating and it's hot and it's all uphill all uphill and I have no idea where Cassidy is at this point because it's dark and she's again a mile ahead and she has the headlamp And we're all just walking and I'm telling Natalie that my thighs are chafing and I just took a shower and I'm sweating. Why did I take a shower? I'm sweating. And I think from that moment on, having those intimate conversations about the difference between a walk and a hike and how much I'm sweating on this 45 minute walk that actually is a hike and giving you guys the seashells really bonded us. It, it, I think about it every day. As Julian mentioned, Natalie and I did know each other before coming out to California for the Women's Open. We actually have been a part of a women in turf group, which was pretty much all Canadian except for me and a handful of others. Um, For what? I was a part of it for a little over a year before we met in person. I don't know how long you were part of it, Nat. And there was this moment. I had walked to the beach the first time by myself, so I knew that, that hike that we did. And uh, when I came back, there was this moment where we were all standing in like this atrium of the dorms that we stayed in. And 
I looked over and I had this realization that standing next to me was Natalie. I didn't know who she was exactly, but I recognized her face. And I kind of had this realization of like, wow, we're the same height. This is so crazy. Because looking at someone through a computer screen, you never have any idea how tall they actually are. So it was fun to see that. And then we started talking about music and we kind of had that bond of, wow, yeah, I get it. We're cool. Yeah. And we've all kind of talked previously about how we sort of had a defining moment where we almost knew we would become friends during that week and that it was something more meaningful to the three of us than just that week where we would go home and put it away. This was something that was going to continue for after we left the tournament. And mine was actually about halfway through the week. We were sleep deprived to the max the tournament had just kicked off that morning i was you know feeling some pressure about doing a good job and just being in that environment the tournament environment that situation was something i had yet to experience in my career and i was dealing with something that had kind of happened the night before at the tournament that was really less than ideal so i left the breakfast tent that morning really overwhelmed and emotional And Cassie and Julian both caught up with me in a second. And I told them about what I was feeling and what had happened. And they really helped give me a sense of belonging for the week and helped me know that I wasn't the only one who was feeling the exhaustion of the week. And I knew that I had found a community with the two of them. It made it really easy and enjoyable to stick by each other's sides for the rest of the week. And I don't think we've gone a day without contact since we left Pebble in July. (laughs) No, we definitely have not. It's so nice now. Like Pebble gave us something to kind of bond over and be able to share our experiences of how the tournament was for us. But then on top of that, going back to our day to day of like, wow, look at this is what's going on at work today. And that's been nice. Yeah. And it's also just like, it's less lonely. The industry gets really lonely, especially as being the only woman at a course. And it's nice to just have you guys to bond with and like share even the simplest of tasks or the cool photos that, you know, we get to see on a daily basis that you guys don't get to see in person or that I don't get to see your course in person. So it's just like a nice sense of, it's like home. And that is why we decided to start on our turf. So now that you've gotten to know us professionally and unprofessionally, let's get into the goals of our podcast. Natalie, will you go ahead? So first and foremost, we are a discussion-based podcast, bringing our experiences in the turf world to you, our listeners. Our goal is to have weekly episodes where we dive into various topics around the turf industry. We'll talk about our education choices, our leadership styles, working in different climates, our favorite workwear, really any and everything both on and off the course. We'll talk about our experiences within the industry, tell stories, and have lots of laughs while getting our stories out there. We want to provide you with an inside look at what it's like living and working on our turf. 
To make sure we were really on the same page about what we wanted this podcast to look and sound like, the three of us created a set of values that we're promising to ourselves, to each other, and to you, the listener, to stick to. So, Julian, why don't you tell us about our first two core values? Yeah, so our first core value is honesty and transparency. We don't want to sugarcoat or lie about things we see and experience. We want to tell you the whole story and be true to ourselves as we tell it. We won't pretend to be something we aren't as we go through this process. We will be authentically ourselves. Our second core value is growth. We want to put ourselves out there and really connect with people in the the industry by sharing our experiences. We want to grow our platform to all corners of the turf industry, but grow ourselves along the way. We want to listen to each other with open ears and use our individual experiences to grow on our turf. Our third core value is accessibility. We want to make this as easy of a listening experience for you as we can. We will be available on all your favorite streaming platforms. Our socials will be up to date with fun tidbits and updates on the show. And we will also be making sure there's something for everyone in our shows. We'll tell stories and laugh and be open and honest. We won't be frigid or scripted to the letter. We'll have fun making this podcast so you can have fun listening to it. Our fourth core value is pride. As we promise to be ourselves and stay true to what we are hoping to accomplish, we are incredibly proud of who we are, how we've come to get here, and where we're going both as individuals and as a team. We will not shrink in our spaces, but instead be proud and stand tall. We will take pride in all the work we do to get our story to you and only produce the best quality work that we can. And finally, grit. We know firsthand that working in this industry is not easy. Long hours and days can quickly turn into long months and years. We know that filling your spare time with something turf-related can feel like an extension of your day, but we're determined. We think we could have something really special on our hands, and we want to keep working at it until we get it right. Just like in our everyday life at the course, we will dig in to be the best that we can. So summed up all into one sentence, our mission statement is to be the premier turf discussion-based podcast, bringing our experiences in the turf world to you. We'd also like to say that although we are trying to create something that everyone can relate to or find enjoyable to listen to, we also know that not everything we share will be a universal experience. And that's the tricky thing about telling our stories. Everyone's experiences are different. We may not be everyone's cup of tea, and that's okay, but we wouldn't be sticking to our values if we were. I hope you enjoyed our first episode. We will be available on all socials, Instagram and Twitter at OnOurTurfPod, and you can also contact us by email at OnOurTurfPod at gmail.com. Finally, we also have a website, which is OnOurTurfPod.com, available when our first web episode drops. There, you can find more information about each episode, including any relevant links, information, photos, and more. And additionally, I want to send a huge shout out to my very good friend, Danny Reardon, um, an assistant superintendent at Avila Country Club down near Tampa, Florida, who created our logo. It would be, we would be faceless without our logo. So thank you, Danny. You are much appreciated here at On Our Turf. And finally, we want to thank you, the listener, for tuning into the first episode of the On Our Turf podcast. We hope we were able to flesh out what we're all about as people on and off the course, and as a tripod together. (laughs) We'll be in your feed weekly with new episodes. 
and we're looking forward to sharing our turf journey with you as we continue to walk along it. Oh, 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 oh,